We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Dateable Podcast, a show where it is our mission to, if you can recite it with us, you've heard this many times, to <laughs> dig into the whys, <laughs> the whys and whys of people's behavior so we can figure out how and how and how to cope and deal and thrive through it all. How about that? I just envisioned our audience just being like, why, why, why? <laughs> <laughs> And how, they were how, like, how, how, how? <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been a fun adventure to to do this show, and we always like to talk about the topic of sexuality because it is 
I think the topic is fluid in itself, and it changes from year to year. And I feel like this term pansexual has been thrown around in the last few years, and Julie and I have really wanted to dig into what it means to be pansexual and why the future may be pansexual. So <laughs> the future our- is pansexual. <laughs> and I'm up for quite, debate, but yes. <laughs> up for debate because we're not psychic, but from what we've seen, the evidence points that way. And our guest today definitely proves that as well. Yeah. Well, I think if you look at the younger generations, it's definitely starting to trend that way, which is why I think the future may be pansexual because, you know, just really like for anyone that is unfamiliar with the term, we're going to dive into it in much more depth. But the idea is that you don't view sex, like you don't view sex and gender, like you view people as people and you fall in love with the person or you're attracted to the person, not because they're a man, not because of a, they're a woman. So it's a little different than bisexuality because in that case you actually are thinking that there are two defined genders right in bisexuality Mm because you're attracted to both where in pansexuality you're not thinking that way and it's all about the person you lead with your humanity you Mm -hmm. lead with heart and i think something we've seen in the past is identity is so core to who we are at the same time it is so restricting at the same Mm -hmm. time so when we think about our identity sometimes we feel like we have to act a certain way or do things a certain way just to fulfill what our our identity is but the beauty of pansexuality is that you're not boxed into one identity so you can have the freedom to lead with your heart. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of celebrities that are coming out as pan. That's the thing. Like Miley Cyrus, Debbie Lovato. Those are a few that like come to mind that I think of what are like more in front of this pan movement. It's a it's a thing. It's a trend. And it's cool and hip and it's more mainstream, but we know it's been around forever. It's just now celebrities are getting a hold of it and they're like, ooh, I want to, I, that's what I've been experiencing this whole time. When you can put a label on it mm-hmm. and validate it in society, that's when we can, I feel like that's when we, when people can openly talk about it, but you know, it's been around for so long. Yeah. I think the real work, like when it really becomes the, the future is when it's not a trend anymore. Yeah. When this is just... Mm-hmm. Every day, you know, like heterosexuality or I feel like even homosexuality, the way it's perceived now versus probably, you know, 20, 30 years ago was maybe seen more as a quote unquote trend. And -hmm. now it's very like proven this is here to stay. This is a way that people love. And I think pansexuality is in the same boat. How exciting. How exciting to have the freedom to love people for who they are and not because of their identity and not because you have to identify with a certain label. It is so liberating to know that that is the future. I'm excited for our future non-existent kids. <laughs> they can be whoever they want to be. They can love whoever they want to love. That's the that's the beauty of it. Yeah, not be boxed in. It's so wonderful. I mean, I, I remember the problems I faced in high school, and I think a lot of people can resonate with this, is battling with your identity, wanting mm-hmm. to be the homecoming queen. I don't know why. Why is that even a thing? <laughs> wanting to have a boyfriend. Why is that such a thing? Why is that so cool? And now with kids that I talk to who are in high school, those are the least of their worries. Their worries about connection. They're they're all about in real life uh, get togethers. They're, they're <laughs> worried about COVID. You know, there's just bigger things than who's homecoming queen. Like, fuck that. 
it's nothing anymore. It's kind of liberating, you know? It's, it's so liberating. Okay, while we're on the topic of bad teen years, did you <laughs> see the updated version of She's All That? It's He's All That? He's All That. I have not watched it, <laughs> but I saw a preview for it, and I thought, wow, that's... I that watched is, it. That is I watched future. it. It's with Addison Ray, the TikTok star, which says so much. She actually did a better job than I was expecting. And I texted my boyfriend. I'm like, I'm really embarrassed that I'm watching this right now. And then he proceeded to watch it. Uh-huh. <laughs> was it good? Um, it was it was sentimental because I love that movie growing yeah. up. Like it yeah. reminds me of teenage years, which the way that movies depict teenage years, I don't know, maybe if you went to school in California, I went to school on the East Coast. I feel like I never saw an outdoor school, yet oh. every movie <laughs> depicts high school as like this outdoor Outdoors. campus. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I thought, I think She's All That brought that like with Freddie Prince Jr., the original, was definitely one of those movies that I can think their sentimental value and I think that's what drew me to it and actually the the lead in it it took me a little while to realize this the girl that they transformed she's uh-huh. the mother in this one she's bad and Matthew Lillard's like the principal of the school oh it's so- my gosh because they're all old as fuck now I mean <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr I wish he made a cameo he's like no nope, like, nope. yeah. I think he's like 45 or something he's done he's done <laughs> is he still married to Sarah Michelle Geller? Now I'm thinking about it. Who knows? They've fallen off the universe. They're pansexual now. No They're pansexual. <laughs> I just made that up. Let's not start rumors. That's a rumor start. <laughs> They're, now on, They're now on the Wikipedia list of pansexual oh, yeah. pansexual people. Celebrities. Is, oh, for anyone curious, there is a Wikipedia list of pansexual ce- celebrities. That's how you know it's up and coming trendy because I'm pretty sure there's no like list of, well, maybe there's a list of gay celebrities. I shouldn't say that. I've never Googled it. But somewhere Sarah Michelle Gellar is at her kitchen looking up the list of pansexual celebrities, sees her <laughs> husband and stops in her tracks. The rumor's <laughs> all from Dateable. This is where it happened. What the fuck, babe? <laughs> when did you become pansexual and didn't tell me? This is cl- clearly what's happening at the Prince Geller home. (laughs) (laughs) But that movie, I loved that movie as well, Julie. And then now when I rewatch that movie, it is the most ridiculous thing. Oh, yeah. Well, this one is so ridiculous because it's all about influencer culture. That's how they've redone it. You got to watch it. Okay. You gotta watch it. Check back in. We could we could regroup on it. But is there a whole makeover scene? Because that's always yeah. oh my yeah. Favorite. But it's okay. the guy. They've reversed genders, which is kind of love you know, it. Up and did, coming. did he take off his glasses and he's super hot? I mean, that's like <laughs> that's in every movie. You know, he, he should have been pansexual. That's they 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 kind of dropped the ball on that one. It was a little too heteronormative. There were there was a lesbian couple though, so they brought some in. It would be they are all that. That would be the yeah, next rendition. That's what they should do. Yep, there we that. go. In five more years, that will come out. <laughs> well, I'm excited to watch that movie. That's going to be on my list. I have a whole list of movies I'm embarrassed to watch around other people. So I'm just going to watch them on my own. <laughs> Yeah, I'm adding that to my list. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, it was so nice to see you this week. UA and I yes. got to celebrate, which was super fun. And yeah, I think um, we deserved it. 
It kind of reminds me of, because I was looking through some of our older dateable photos, and we used to be together all the time for our recordings. And I kind of forgot about those days. I forgot what it's like to have people around, you know, in my apartment, and we're sitting around on my floor because I didn't have enough furniture for everyone to sit And it was just so fun. It felt like a slumber party or something. And it was so great to be in Julie's apartment because she's got a new apartment. It is gorgeous. (laughs) It was so beautiful to be in there. And we also took our call in there with our new Finding Your Person program cohort. So that was our first live call. We met some of the people who are in the program and it was just a really great time to connect together. Yep, probably about like half of them were on the call, which was pretty cool to see people. It's always really fun to like meet people. I know it's virtual, but I just feel like you're actually meeting people. Something about the virtual, I think that day, that night when we did our call, Julie really set the tone for the rest of the night because we just felt so warm and I don't mm-hmm. know, ready to be to be social. So we went to dinner and this old couple next <laughs> to us was was very friendly and they were giving us recommendations on which menu to choose. But turns out their story is so great because oh, yes. <laughs> they definitely look like they were madly in love, right? Uh-huh. And they were probably in their 70s? 70s. Yeah. yeah. I want to say 70s. Yeah. And they've been married for a long time. So we we were kind of asking what's a, you know, what's a secret to such a long marriage? Well, they asked and- us what we were celebrating and we told them we had a dating podcast. So that's how it kind of got kicked off too. And people always take that as a uh, as a jumping off point for their love stories, right? Yep. They're like, oh, you do a dating podcast? Let me tell you about my love story. And we always ask a little too, because we're just inherently nosy. Very, so. <laughs> very. And her answer was the best. She said, the secret is you got to get through two other marriages first. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was so great about their story is they knew each other in middle school, they said. Yeah, like they met when she was up. 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they went their separate paths. I think she said that she was studied ab- or she lived abroad for yep. a while. Was married. And he, stayed, it, he was in Santa Barbara so that they live there now. And they were just up for the week visiting San Francisco. And he had lived in Santa Barbara basically his whole adult life. And she had you know traveled all around and then was brought back there and their paths crossed later in life when they were both in different life stages. They'd you know come out of divorces with other people, which is kind of amazing when you think about it that you know I feel like I I do strongly believe that like things work out for the right reason and people are brought together for a reason so the fact that like their past crossed all these years later maybe they weren't ready to be together when mm-hmm. they first like they had these lives that they had to live before they could be together it kind of reminds me of like even you and your partner UA that mm-hmm. you knew each other years and years before you met but you kind of needed to grow as individuals and go through your own respective life experiences before you found each other. And that's why we should stop putting so much pressure on the forever. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. You don't know how your life phases will pan out. But you do know this question of how do you know you found your person? You found your person when you feel like you found your person for right now, for who you are today, where your life is at, and it's a fit for you. Stop putting so much pressure on what the future is, Mm -hmm. because there is a chance that in our lifetime, we find many of our persons. And that's okay, too. And we shouldn't put a we shouldn't feel guilty about that or be, feel fear around that. The fact that they've remet later in life and their kids kind of grew up together, such a beautiful love story, but it's not a love story you hear on, 
you know, these TV shows or mm-hmm. in these rom-com movies because they don't, these movies don't sell. But we know that this is reality. This is life. Mm-hmm. There was a really good question on our first call that we had that was all about with finding your person program. It's how do you, you know, stay, like appreciate the process and not stay too fixated on the goal. Like every person you meet, are like, is this my person? Is this yeah. my person? Is this my person? And I think we, you know, the way that we brought this up was I definitely went through this when I kind of was looking and I was, I think inherently, even if you're not like, you know, quote unquote, looking all the time, you're always wondering a little, is this someone that can develop into more? And I think the reality is, is that maybe it does push you actually to like give a little more and take chances. And like you said, we we never know what the future has in store fully. There's some things, especially like as you get to know someone, you may uncover new things. And some mm-hmm. of them may draw you closer to them. And some of them might be things that are deal breakers. And some of those are really apparent right away. And some of them take time to unfold. And I think that's okay. Like I think that it's, you know, maybe it's not realistic to say like, I found my person right away. Mm-hmm. Like I think you can have an ink that you found your person. But I do think a lot of times it does take time to develop and see, you know, if this is a fit for the long haul. Mm -hmm. And that stuff you just can't get from like date one or two all the time. Yeah. And then ultimately, maybe in 50 years, you look at the person who's been there all all along since you were 12 years old, and you have this wake up call and think, ah, this is my person. Yeah. I've come full circle. I do have a theory, Julie, that people do come full circle in life. I've seen this happen quite a bit where you basically end up with the person either you first had a connection with or someone who resembles the person mm. you first had a connection with. Interesting. You definitely feel that way, right, about your partner. Absolutely. And I, we were at um, a birthday party a few weeks ago, and we were sitting at a table with a bunch of couples who experienced the same thing. They all went to the same college, did not date in college, knew about each other, and then had a connection in college but didn't pursue it. And then, like, 20 years later, got together. And so <laughs> I... There's something about this full circle because when you meet someone earlier in life, you don't know what you're missing out on yet. Mm -hmm. So you almost have to explore all of your options to know what you have is the right thing for you. Yeah, I think some people that can be the case for sure. Um, I don't know if it's everyone though. Like, I don't know if that actually is how I operate as much. Like, I think for me, what I've experienced is every person builds on the next person because I've gotten like more confident and I've gotten more clear about what I need in a partner. So I don't know if I would necessarily want to go full circle to who I first had that connection with because I don't know if that's who I would be attracted to today. I think I've just had so much growth over the years that what I'm looking for in a person completely changed. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it can be either or. Uh, we talk about this too a lot. It's like sometimes people's problem is they're not living the life that, you know, like they're kind of holding back and waiting for a partner. And then other people are just way too independent. So I think some of it is knowing yourself too, because I think a lot of times we can be on two ends of the spectrum. And usually it's like somewhere in the middle is the sweet spot. Finding that sweet spot. That'll be our next program. Finding your sweet spot. <laughs> now you found your person. 
<laughs> We're going to help you find your sweet spot. Should we get us to so our important. question? Let's which do is it. Related Let's to pansexuality. Uh, one of our listeners wrote in and said, I am in my 30s and am now starting to explore my sexuality. In high school, I had always been, been interested in men. And then in college, I started being a little bit interested in women. Mm. And now I kind of feel like I could be interested in anybody who makes my heart sing. Do you think it's too late to explore your sexuality in your 30s? And if it's not too late, how and where do you even start? I don't think it's ever too late. No, no. We know people who explore their sexuality in their 60s. And that is okay. That just means you are finally ready to do so. So mm-hmm. it's, I agree, it's never too late. So, but where do you start? You know, that is a, that is a tough question. I do think there are like a lot of communities that exist out there. So I think that could be a place to start. Like, I know it's a little bit different question, but like the poly community, for example, exists. So I know people that were interested in polyamory were able to, you know, find communities and talk to people and hear their stories. So I think hearing other people's stories and hearing people's stories is a really good way to just feel like you're not alone in this and to understand that other people have gone through something very similar. So that could be, you know, finding podcasts that support it. It could be finding IRL people that you actually talk to and meet up with. I shouldn't even say IRL. It could be online too, but communities of people, I think that's super important. Just any education and then really probably like you have to try things too, like go on Mm -hmm. those dates and just see how it's feeling and be upfront with it. We've, we we talk about this on the episode we've talked about in other ones. Sometimes it's okay to even say like, this is my first date coming out of this. And then you might weed out people that maybe don't want to be like as experiential, but then there'll be some that are open to that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think one good idea maybe is to put it in your dating profile that you're exploring. Mm-hmm. You're in a stage of being open-minded and finding anybody who, like you said, makes your heart sing. And I think that in turn will draw in the people who are also in that exploratory Mm -hmm. stage. Uh, Second piece of advice, listen to this episode because (laughs) this is exactly what our guest went through. She had one identity in mind and she ended up breaking free of all identities Mm -hmm. and just went with her heart. So keeping that open mind and listening to all all of everyone else's journey stories will really help you through this too. But know that it is totally fine to start in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. It does not matter your age as long as you feel like you're open and ready to do so. I think it's okay also to come back to where you started. We had oh, a past yeah. guest, Margot, from season seven. It was a while ago and we had her on for part one. She was talking about like frustrations with dating as a heterosexual female. And then one of our mutual friends asked if we had talked to her recently. This was months that went mm-hmm. by. She was now in a relationship with a woman. So we had her back. And even in this exploration phase, she had gone on a date with a couple. She had done a bunch of different things that were outside of her comfort zone just to get to know herself better, get to know her sexuality better. And now she's gone back to dating men. And I think that's okay. Like, that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. Because I would personally rather, like, if I had the questioning, I'd rather figure out what's right for me, even if it means that the stuff in the short term ended up not being right. Then you can say, I'm good with my situation. I've explored others and I know now this is what suits me. Yes. Just don't get stuck in an identity. That's it. Okay. Cool. 
Okay, so some announcements this week. The typical join Love in the Time of Corona Facebook group by the Dateable Podcasts. That's the public group. That's where people, you know, post questions and community members will chime in and really support each other along this dating journey. Always amazed by the questions in there. And then the sounding board is our premium community where we have these virtual events. We're calling them the weekly sound offs. We have office hours with UA and I uh, with the weekly sound offs. We have our host team lead discussion, like topic-based discussions. We've had ones about like the decision to have children or not. We had fear of dating again and how to overcome it. We've had all sorts of different topics that really resonated with folks. And it's a really great way for people to kind of, you know, get things out. You and I were talking about this. I think part of our journey that's been helped us so much is that we've been able to talk it out along Mm -hmm. the last five years. And in a way, the sounding board kind of provides you that experience to talk it out with your fellow sounding board members and then also ask us questions too in the monthly um, group chat that we have the coffee chat uh, that's a live call with the two of us so if you're interested in that go to datablepodcast.com slash sounding board and if you are really enjoying our conversations in this podcast uh, do your friend a favor and send them a link because yeah. we find that that is the some of the best ways for our friendships to blossom. We've seen so many people say, oh, I got closer to my friend because I sent her this episode um, about relationships. Do you really want one? And now we talk <laughs> about it all the time because I think listening to these episodes, even for us, Julie and I, we have these topics that every time we come together, we're like, well, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about that last episode. That was what did you think about it? And it, it just I think ha- hearing all the different perspectives brings you closer together as friends, too. Yeah. Send them a link. It's the modern day book club. <laughs> I yeah. feel like book clubs never work out, at least the book clubs I were in, because reading a book is a lot of effort and no one ever was on the same schedule with each other. And it would end up just being uh, let's get together and drink wine night instead. <laughs> but listening to a podcast is so low investment. You could do it on a walk. It's usually an hour, hour and a half max. There's so many ways that this can be the new book club. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. I want to give a quick shout out to Alice, who I met randomly this week, who happens to be a listener and also part of our Finding Your Person program. So I thought serendipity mm-hmm. brought us together. And I just want to say, hello, Alice. Thanks for listening. I love it. I always love when we randomly meet listeners. It's always super fun. So <laughs> keep it coming. <laughs> You know, it really, it does always prove that we're always a couple layers separated from people too. Even, you know, in our Facebook groups, mm-hmm. we're able to see mutual friends. And there were some people that I saw in our Facebook group, in the Finding Your Person group, that I had mutual friends with. And they're people I haven't talked to in years wow. that live across the country. So it's not that they heard about the podcast through this person, probably. Right, right. But it's just, it just shows that everyone has some connection. There's always the six degrees of separation, right? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but. <laughs> Six degrees of dateable podcast. <laughs> I don't think we can mention Kevin Bacon's name anymore. I think he's banned. <laughs> so six degrees of dateable. We can call yep. it six degrees. That's of the new thing. New <laughs> thing. Okay, let's go into a few quick messages from our sponsors. 
Support for Datable is brought to you by Incipio. Incipio offers legendary protection for all of your devices from phones to AirPods to tablets. They obsess over their tech to protect yours. It's like Incipio's line of products was made for me because with their phone cases, my phone is protected from drops as high as 14 feet. The cases are also wireless charging compatible and there's a lifetime warranty. So they've got you covered. I have the Organic Core Clear Case, which is made up of 100% compostable materials that reduces landfill waste by naturally re-entering the environment from where it started. All of the packaging is made out of 100% recyclable materials with eco-friendly water-based ink. Now for dateable listeners only, we have a special offer. These incredible cases are now available for purchase at incipio.com and you can use the code dateable for 20% off. That's I-N-C-I-P-I-O.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for 20% off. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is no surprise Julie and I are huge fans of therapy, especially online therapy, and BetterHelp can do exactly just that. They match you with your own licensed therapist and connect you in a safe and private online environment. I was able to start communicating with my therapist in less than 48 hours hours super fast. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Their licensed professionals specialize in everything from stress management, uh, anxiety, trauma, dating, and grief. We at Dateable wish for all of you to live a happier, more wholesome life, and we think therapy and prioritizing your mental health will accomplish that. So as our listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash dateable. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Okay, let's take it away with Genesis, all about the future is pansexual. Sexuality. Wow. We love this topic because we meet people from all walks of life who have their own experiences with sexuality, sexual preferences, and identity is a very fascinating aspect of all of that. So our guest today, Genesis, identifies, well, she identified as bi in high school, then she identified as a lesbian, and now she's married to a straight male. It's quite the journey we want to get into. (laughs) Yes. And you identify now as pansexual. I think the future is pansexual, so can't wait to dive in there with you. (laughs) For sure. Genesis, who is Genesis? She is 32 years old. She lives in Walnut Creek. She's been there for three years, but she is originally from Mexico City. She's in a monogamous relationship, obviously. And she's, I I shouldn't say obviously, she is in a monogamous marriage. (laughs) Yeah, there are poly marriages, uh, right? Especially when you're pansexual, people can assume, right? I can't say obviously uh, at all (laughs) anymore. And, um, you know, this is going to be really about your journey and we can't l- wait to learn more about you. Great. But I want to start in high school because you say you came out as bi in high school. How did you come upon that? And then how were you able to come out? Yeah, you know, it started with just seeing other women that didn't look very feminine like I was used to, you know, a woman with short hair walking down the street or, you know, being at the mall and a woman who had, you know, like spiky hair and kind of was wearing what I thought to be men's clothing. And so I kind of just started noticing that and was like, 
intrigued. I was like, oh, I like that. That's, I like that. <laughs> and then it kind of grew to it to like being attracted to women that I assumed were lesbians who I, I assumed mm-hmm. were also into other women based off of their looks. You know, I'm 15, 16 at, at the time. So I didn't really have any other base of what sexuality looked like other than straight girls. So then you you identified as bisexual at this point. Like what brought you to identify as being a full-on lesbian? Yeah, well, it started as bi just because I, I feel like, at least for me, and I know some other lesbians probably experienced this, but for me, it was just like an easy kind of avenue to start with. Like, okay, mm. you know, I have dated men, so I know I like men, but now I'm obviously also interested in this other factor of women. So the only as- clear assumption is bi. So that's kind of like the mm. first baby step of like sexuality, at least it was for me. And when did you start identifying as a lesbian? Probably not until um, middle of college uh, when I had a serious relationship with a woman. Mm. So you're exclusively dating women at this point. Yes. Yes. In my early, gosh, not even early, like 20, I was turning 20, entered into a serious relationship with a woman. We ended up dating for five years, but it was, wow. you know, we lived together. We, you know, did the whole shebang. We were very committed and in love. And so that's when I was like, okay, if I can have this serious relationship with a woman, maybe I'm not bi. It's just, yeah, I'm a lesbian now. This is my Mm -hmm. life. I'm going to marry a woman. So was she your first like serious relationship or had you had them with men before or other women? I had a a boyfriend in high school, which was very tumultuous, just like the very typical Mm -hmm. Romeo and Juliet, like screaming at each other, but then we're in love. So it was like just the- (laughs) Also high school. So (laughs) high school. Yeah, exactly. I feel like dating before like your 20s, you know, like doesn't even count. Yeah, man or woman, doesn't matter. Okay, so first like adult relationship relationship with this woman. And then what about post-term? Was it your husband or were there other people in the mix? Um, Immediately after it was strictly women. um, Because again, I was like, I'm a lesbian, I'm dating women. So I was, you know, on the apps looking for only women and women who identified as lesbians specifically. And, um, and so I was just dating very casually, nothing very serious. And then slowly, I don't, I don't actually even know if I can pinpoint a moment, but it was just I very slowly started to also open my mind back up to men again. Huh. And I don't and I don't know why that was. I think maybe but I never went back to being bi. I was just like I'm a lesbian, but I'm also still kind of intrigued with men. We'll see where this goes. <laughs> Had you slept like had you slept with men like your high school boyfriend? Did you sleep with him? I did. Yes. Okay, so you had slept with men and women at this point. Yes. Yes, both. Yeah. So you were you were a curious lesbian. Like curious <laughs> I guess so. about men. But you were, that is so interesting. And yeah. okay, so you were you started opening yourself up to men and then yes something happened. Yeah. But you know, I was actually a little bit upset with myself about it because Mm, it was almost like a re-confusion because when I first came out in high school, it was, I was very sad about it. Like I was crying. I was journaling. Mm. I was like, what's happening? What's going on? And what I presented to the world was very confident. I never was somebody that was like um, lying about it or shying away from it. I kind of faced it head on, but it was still very confusing. Um, so then when it happened again, it was also like, oh my gosh, what's going on now? Like, why can't mm. I identify myself? Why can't I pinpoint who I am? And so, yeah, so that was kind of like another 
hurdle to kind of like, I don't know, overcome well, that with just, my sexuality. That just begs the question, why do why do we have to identify? Right? Exactly. That seems to be the stress that we often face is I have to be this one identity and I got to live up to this identity. That's what my external facing identity is. But why do we need to be boxed in like that? That's just like a a very great way of of talking about sexuality mm-hmm. because it doesn't it doesn't need to be so black and white in this scenario and then how did you meet your husband yeah so i actually met him through a mutual friend at a house party we met it was a hi how are you nice to meet you you know and we went on with our lives and then we met again 6 months later uh through the same friend at a like film screening in LA actually oh. um and then we started talking at the bar and i am a lucid dreamer and he was asking about my dreams so we kind of just started talking about lucid dreaming and then through those conversations i kind of just was like oh, Okay, he's kind of cute. He's very nice. Not what I, I don't know. I dated a lot of crappy men as well. So, and he wasn't that. He was very kind. Was a good listener. He he actually reminded me of a lot of women I dated, which is kind of wow. Weird. <laughs> no, I kind of know what you mean though. Like, there's certain men that have more. I don't want to say feminine qualities because it's not even that, but they just have like more of that um, in touch with their emotional side. Maybe that's they have a good the soft skills. Yes. Yeah, soft skills. I think it's sexy, so it's not I like a so bad too. thing. It's interesting. You say the emotional side because that's exactly he attributes his emotional side to certain acting pros programs that he did in LA mm. and so he was really able to like get in touch with his emotions and kind of like get to the root of who he was and that I feel like helped uh, our relationship flourish yeah and was was he the first man that you had had interest in, in? Uh, oh seriously since, you know. yes not uh. sexually but it was more like the first man that I was more emotionally attracted to got it okay so you said that you dated shitty men so i know you mentioned the tumultuous high school (laughs) guy but were there other guys in the mix yeah so after my serious girlfriend there was a couple not so directly after it was only women and then as i got later into my 20s i kind of opened back up to men Mm -hmm. um and it was very casual they it wasn't anybody that i ever met on dating apps because dating apps Mm. i was strictly lesbian so i was only looking for other women but in person you know if i happened to work with somebody you know serving at a restaurant we kind of just things would happen (laughs) right so what how old were you then when you met your husband 27, I think. Okay. Yeah, I turned 27. Did he know that you identified as a lesbian on dating apps? He knew I identified as a lesbian just in everyday life. I told him very clearly one night after, you know, drinking and having some fun, I said, listen, I'm very much a lesbian, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's going on here. I'm open to exploring this with you and I'm just having some fun. And, you know, and he was like, okay, great. So I very much like was like, this isn't going anywhere, buddy. Like, I'm a lesbian. You're just an experiment. And I'm maybe just bored. (laughs) So his reaction was like, cool? Or was he a little like, is this, what is this? Yeah. And actually, maybe that's why I continued to to date him was because he wasn't, you know, a lot of men, when I would tell them, oh, I'm a lesbian, it was like, well, when are we going to have a threesome? Or let me Uh me see. Uh That's hot. That's typical shit. Yep. And he was the first one that was like, okay, well, when can I see you again? You know, Mm, he was very like- He didn't care. He didn't care. He was like, 
very respectful about it and didn't ask any questions that were rude or cliche or like stereotypical. So how did you get to the point then that he wasn't an experiment and he was someone (laughs) that you were actually pursuing to eventually become your husband? Yeah, I think it just happened really naturally. And it came through me talking with actually one of my best friends who, you know, was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm a lesbian. I don't know why I'm, you know, I'm dating these other girls kind of casually, but what's going on with this guy? And she was just really um, motivating and, and inspiring. And she's like, you know, nothing about you is set in stone. Like, why don't you just explore mm-hmm. and see where it goes and give him a chance? He's a kind person. And very just, wise words. Yes. She's a very wise friend. Um, and so I, and then, so I just kind of jumped in and then it just, from there happened very casually. Um, like I imagine most, you know, relationships happening, like that turned to serious. It's just, we dated and we dated and it got more serious and more serious, but it did take some like, you know, soul searching conversations with friends and even with him um, of like, I'm going to go with this. You know, my past now, like hopefully you can trust that I'm falling for you and we'll see, see where that goes. Did he have any doubts like at all? Or what was he like? Not that that he, not that he ever like spoke to with me. Um, Maybe he did. I'm I'm not really sure. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I would always casually ask him, like, would you be more upset if I cheated on you with a guy or with a girl? Like, not that I would <laughs> right, ever cheat yeah. on you, but like, if I were to, <laughs> who would you rather me cheat on? And sometimes his answers were like, I'd be more upset if you cheated on me with a woman. And oh, I always found that to be interesting. And maybe it's because there's like an emotional side there. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I guess we'd have to ask him. <laughs> yeah, that question's always interesting because I feel like people have just like asked that more hypothetically. Yours was a little closer to home. But it's kind of like, oh, this person that's obviously very different than me that I can't, you know, quote unquote, like compete with in any way because it's like apples to oranges. Or in your case, like, does this mean they're not attracted to me? You know, that's like the question with that question. Well, aside from the anatomy uh, between men and women, that those differences, (laughs) when you started dating your now husband seriously, did it feel much different than dating women seriously? I mean, aside, yeah, aside from the anatomy, aside from, I mean, not, I, I don't think so. I think like when you're kind of in a serious relationship with somebody, the kind of same things come up, like you're annoyed with each other about the same things, or you mm-hmm. la- you kind of find your own inside jokes. And I think that like, if I were to compare my serious relationship with a woman and a serious relationship with a man at, at their core, they're usually rooted in love and respect. And then, you know, you can kind of build off of that. But there wasn't much different otherwise. I mean, there are differences like day to day, like um, women are in general, I I think somebody might argue otherwise, but I think women tend to be more intuitive. Mm. Um, and so they would like dating women, they were very much more like quick to know when I was in a bad mood or upset yeah. about something than a guy could see that Um, things like that. So things like they're kind of those like everyday differences, but at the core, they're very similar, I would say. What about the stereotypes, like the U-Haul relationship with lesbians that basically like on the second date, they're ready to move in together or the just like over communicating everything. Like, did you see either of those hold true in any way? Oh yeah. The over communicating. Oh yes. I mean, everything (laughs) is like a three hour conversation. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's great. Like I enjoyed that. But you know, if you start fighting at, you know, midnight with a guy, maybe you can (laughs) stop it by 1230 with a girl, with a woman, (laughs) you're up all night. 
still rehashing still You're talking still about your attachment style oh my god it. what about yes. the moving fast did you see it i mean i know you're only a sample size of two serious relationships so we're right. we're making generalizations here but yeah did this you, is really about yourself yeah. did you see any difference or did they move at the same pace or maybe one even the guy even faster than the woman yeah. well with the woman it was very fast like within okay. a few weeks mm. okay um we were like it was very quick but actually also with my current husband it was four months in so maybe he has some lesbian attributes i don't know four months in what uh that we moved in with each other okay wow i thought you meant like four months till like you established i'm like no that seems pretty slow actually but yes moving in that actually that is pretty fast Wait, with your girlfriend was it like within a month that you moved in or like within a month oh yeah if anything so that that. was like like a u-haul too the team yeah 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 it definitely was so you just moved fast in general but she was a little faster (laughs) yes she was a little faster and he was pretty fast too yeah was your family aware of kind of your journey and experiences they were and one of my biggest fears with my family was you know I I did come out to my family in high school um Mm -hmm. and then again when I was seriously dating a woman um I was like you know I'm in a serious relationship now I identify as a lesbian this is me and my mom took it okay she was a little bit like needing to process it more so than my stepdad at the time. Um, he was like, that's great, Jen. Like, great. Like, whoever <laughs> you're with is fine <laughs> as long as you're happy, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, so they so they definitely knew. I think when it came to, like, family friends and, like, family that was not immediate, I got, you know, cause some odd questions or some things like um, people would say, oh, well, you know, I knew it was just a phase. Yeah. Or things yeah, like I've that. I've seen them and, say that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, and I still actually fear that. Like, like if they see you know see me settle down with a man, they still like think, oh, Genesis had that lesbian phase when nothing was right. ever a phase for me. Right, like you have like you know the husband and baby now. You're living like the quote unquote traditional lifestyle, you know. Yes, yeah, and yeah. that's something I definitely struggle with too. You know, as a feminist, like, oh, great, I'm living out the very traditional life. Yeah. How can I kind of combat that a little bit? <laughs> I totally have that fear a bit too. It's like sometimes you're like, I want to be progressive, but then sometimes you also want the traditional things and it's like, am yeah. I caving in or something? Well, you're kind yeah. of anything but traditional, I feel like, f- for your transformations. <laughs> I think the stories we've been hearing on our show are the exact opposite, straight identifying women who fell in love with yeah. women and yeah. then leaving their husbands or boyfriends for women. You've mm. gone, You, I wouldn't even say you went full circle. You landed where you are today. It's not even where you started. So yeah. it, I, I think it's anything but traditional, but I get it because if anybody saw you in this moment in time, mm-hmm. the picture you're painting is very traditional, but they have no idea what you went through to get to where you are today. So that's yeah. really, really, really interesting. I, I love that. So let's, you know, let's talk about what is it about your current husband that you felt like this is it? I want. <laughs> to spend my life with this person and also have a kid with this person. Yeah. You know, I think, again, he's so kind. Like, he's so kind um, to everybody he meets. Um, He's so respectful. I mean, even little things like being kind to your server or to strangers on the Mm -hmm. street, like, and to genuinely want to help people. That was such a big one for me because the world is crazy and people are mean to each other. And so if you can find somebody that's genuinely kind to themselves and the people around them, I feel like that's, for me, so important. Um, So I would Mm -hmm. say kindness and... And then also respect. 
I would say a lot of relationships I were like casual relationships and also serious ones, they kind of had a core of being disrespectful, like reading Mm. somebody's journals or just like calling them when you know they're working and picking a fight. Like genuine things that are just not respectful to the other person was something that I was just not going to settle for. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so my current husband, would, I mean, would never, he's just so respectful. <laughs> well, I think that's the whole bit about pansexual, right? It's all about the person that you're falling for, not the sexuality. Can you kind yeah. of sh- go in a little deeper of like why you identified as pansexual opposed mm-hmm. to bisexual and what this whole like, you know, yes. all your experiences did for you in terms of identity? <laughs> I know that's a loaded question, but yeah. No, I can answer it the best that I can. So I'm also, so I'm in grad school. Um, for philosophy. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of philosophies around gender and sexuality. And kind of going back to UA, what you said about, you know, the kind of black and whiteness of of sexuality. But what we're learning is that sexuality is not a a spectrum. It's not like one end you're straight, one end you're uh, Mm. gay. It's it's actually much more um, complicated than that. It's like a whole universe of identities, of sexualities, genders, all of it. And so there's not kind of like either or. And so for me, as I was kind of like learning this throughout my life of, of sexuality and, and gender, because to me, like I, I could fall, a, fall in love with somebody who identifies as anything. So mm. I wouldn't want to hinder myself from dating somebody that, um, you know, might, might be trans or gender fluid mm-hmm. or non-binary. Like I wouldn't shut myself off from any of that, of those identities. And then also with, with sexuality. So if somebody was bi, I would date them if they were straight, gay, you know, I would date anybody that also wanted to date me that I was attracted to, of course. Right, of course, right. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break to hear some of our messages. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. 
Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? <laughs> and maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, Nia is going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And is your husband, has he always been straight identifying? Yes. And then in this current, in your marriage, he also identifies as a straight male. So, yes. right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. This identity of discussion is just fascinating also because you had a child. So then your ident- identity shift shifted after you had a child mm-hmm. too. It's mm-hmm. like, we're never married to our identity because it, it's constantly changing. So why do we have to pigeonhole ourselves into one? Yeah. Now that you identify as pansexual, and even when you are identifying as bisexual, what were some of the misconceptions that you were hearing or feedback you were getting from people? I think the biggest one was always, you know, people want to put you into a box based off of the way that you look very Mm. quickly. And, you know, I actually think that that's okay. Sometimes like as human beings, we kind of have this like constant fight or flight. Like, are you safe for me to be around? Can I, can I kind of like trust, trust you? And, Mm -hmm. but as we learn these things about each other, we should be able to be more open-minded about that. But I did experience, you know, people being like, oh, well, you don't look by, you don't look Mm. like a lesbian. Uh You don't have short hair or you don't walk what I perceive to be masculine. You're not attracted to me, are you? Aren't you hitting on me? I'm a, I'm a guy, so why aren't mm-hmm. you, you know, whatever it may be. So there was definitely a lot of very um, physical uh, stereotypes that came along with all different identities that I've experienced. We had a Pride live stream that we did and that we also turned into an episode. And we had a woman that identified as bi and she said that she was very much monogamous, but everyone would always be like, oh, can we do a, have a threesome or yeah. I'm afraid that you're going to leave me for this person or you're yes. going to cheat on me or you're going to do this at the same time. And she was like, no, I'm still monogamous. Like, have yes. you encountered, I know you mentioned like some guys would throw that line. Like, what was your response when you got stuff like that? Yeah, pretty similar. I'm like, well, my relationship, there's types of relationships. And that's not what I'm talking about, right? It's like, (laughs) I'm talking about my sexuality, which is not what I believe, you know, I could be lesbian and and poly, like be totally open. So Mm -hmm. I think that there's a difference between yeah, monogamy and non monogamy. So if you're just because I might be sexually attracted to all sorts of people doesn't mean I want to date them all at the same time. And even if Mm -hmm. I did, that's also nobody's business. (laughs) Like that's something that's like, right. Right. And then also, it's not, I would assume, I mean, she brought up too on the live stream, it's like, you're not necessarily attracted to every woman out there. It's like, if you're straight, you're not attracted to everyone 
of the opposite gender. You have yes. certain people you're attracted to and certain people you're not. Exactly, exactly. And I'm going to ask you this question. It may be controversial, but I've been asked this question or had this discussion with friends and they're like, I would never dare to ask this question. So I'm just going to ask it okay. and <laughs> excuse my ignorance if this is, comes off wrong. But in you know some of my observations of um, people who are pansexual and, or uh, homosexual, the roles between the two people still fall into heterosexual roles. So you have more of the butch woman with mm-hmm. the feminine woman. And e- even when you said in the beginning when in high school, you were attracted to the women who have shorter hair, dress kind of masculine. What would you say to that observation? Because my question is, is that something that is just we naturally fall into? Or is that just something we see more of and we're not seeing more of the other like same gender role couples? Yeah, you know, I think a big part of it could be like it's socially constructed. So we are we are used to seeing certain things and so we act those out. I personally try to kind of explore my more masculine side even in my straight relationship with a man. So like we would go out, you know, for drinks or a movie and I would put my arm around him. Yes. And he really liked that. So I kind of <laughs> kept doing it. So I kind of like personally tried to explore those within myself mm-hmm. and not being afraid like to be kind of more masculine acting or presenting, even if I was wearing a dress, like I'm going to hold you, I'm going to be the big spoon, I'm going to open the door for you. And I, but that was me personally, I don't know if other people do that, but I, I like to try and like combat those gender, those norms um, that we're used to. But I think it's because we are, we're used to seeing it because we've always known that we've been taught that. So the more that we can kind of challenge that, then the more we might see, you know, things that aren't, aren't the norm. Mm. Well, it's forcing people in a box, like even talking just about straight folks for a second, because I know you were saying UA that like people that aren't straight are kind of conforming to that. But Mm -hmm. even the people that they're trying to conform to, I feel like that's already putting people in a box. Because even if you're a woman, you have a blend of feminine and masculine traits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also, if you're a man, I think that's where so much toxic masculinity comes in that you feel like less than if you don't exhibit it. We were even talking about earlier, like, you know, about your husband. And I hated using the word like feminine to like describe emotionally available. Like that's kind of messed up when you think Mm -hmm. about it. But why can't a man have those qualities? And I personally am super attracted to those qualities. So Mm -hmm. I feel like this is something that like everyone is dealing with of like, how do we get out of these like boxes? And we're clearly making progress. But in your opinion, like what else can we be doing to kind of fight out of this? I think, I mean, the biggest thing for me is just having conversations, like talk about it, talk about it even with your partner. Like I've even talked about it with my husband, like, Hey, do you want, but what if we just do like a fun photo shoot tonight and like, I'll wear your clothes and you wear mine. (laughs) That would be fun. Right. (laughs) He's like, great, let's do it. You know, just have those conversations and not being afraid to sound silly or stupid. Like, because if somebody is going to make you feel insecure for asking a question um, and challenging some norms, then maybe you shouldn't be with them. Mm, Yeah, that's a really good point. Because we don't, the more we identify with one identity, the more we crawl into that box and the less we explore everything else that's available to us in this world. And I I would also argue that by exploring the feminine, masculine, all of it, these sides of you will also benefit other parts of your life. I think we can bring that into our professional life, can bring that into our personal life. We can bring more creativity because our brain isn't wired to just think one way. But for some reason, society tends to 
want us to walk down one aisle and stay there. That's such an interesting point, UA, too, because I think that does fall into, you know, taking like sexuality out, but even, you know, going from a single person to being in a relationship, that is an identity shift. Mm-hmm. Or going from being like childless to being a mother mm-hmm. or father, like that's a huge identity shift. And I think that in other parts of life, those shifts happen all the time. And there may be a little less, you don't have to like come out and be like, I'm in a relationship now, you know, and do the whole song and dance and tell your parents in like a way that you're, you know, changing gears. Why do we think that that is so accepted that we go through different stages of life and it's fluid, yet in sexuality, it's so binary? I know Mm. we're obviously coming out of that binary, but that's still not the mainstream. What are your both of your takes on that? Gosh, yeah, it it is really interesting. Like I said, I think that we want to put some identities on each other for like, actually, even for survival reasons of like, you know, if I if I'm a lesbian, I feel like maybe I have short hair so that I can attract other lesbians. So like, and I and I put myself into these boxes so that other people might identify me and say, hey, I think I know what's going on here. I You're safe for me to kind of like hit on or talk to. And mm-hmm. so there's kind of that side of it. Um, but also, I think that people just fear things that they don't know. Yes. And I think maybe I mean, I don't know if like religion has maybe played a role, you know, people being fearful that like something that they've been taught is wrong, that if they explain that they're gonna, you know, go to hell. I mean, it it can Mm -hmm. get really extreme. And I think that we have to kind of be willing to identify that and shift away from it, because it it is killing people. It's not it's not great for our society to thrive in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so with you on that, Genesis. And I do have this hunch that religion is the basis of all of this, because I think at the core of it, it's still about reproduction. And I think society benefits from reproduction because it adds more people into society to help build society and to contribute. So we still have this, we as in society still has this old fashioned notion that you have to be heterosexual uh, in order to reproduce, which is no longer the case, right? So I think it's just so deeply ingrained. I hate to say we just need to wait for the older generation to die off because the younger generation generation is on board yeah they're all pan everyone's they are all pan i was at a uh an art sale with a bunch of high school kids they created art and they wanted to sell it and everybody was in high school and i had no idea who was a man or a woman didn't matter they were all dressed in very very uh let's just say like clothes that i you know not identifying as either gender and they spoke in a way that was very neutral mm-hmm. and open i was just floored by how woke these kids were and i would be like okay so where do you have a, like where's the women's section because they had some clothes and they're like what do you mean women's section there is no women's this section is this anymore is all, all of it yeah just go through all the clothes you can wear all of it it was it was wonderful i opening and it gives me so much hope. So do you think the future is pansexual then? Do you think there's still a place for being bi, for instance? Or do you think that's going to replace being bi? I think so. I mean, being bi for me implies that there's only two genders to be attracted to. Mm. And I believe there's many more genders and maybe even more that we don't know about. And so I think being bi is is so limiting, at least for me. And so I would hope that the future does move towards more 
of a, of a pansexual future because it's just more fun. It's more, you know, it's more open for everybody. Is there a difference between pansexual and sexually fluid? Um, sh- Do we you know? know, I actually don't know. Say, I, I know pansexual means that you're attracted to all sexualities, all, all genders specifically. Mm-hmm. So, and you can be uh, emotionally attracted to them, not just uh, mm. sexually. Oh, so you could be like, I'm emotionally attracted to, but would you still want to date that person if you were just emotionally and not sexually? I mean, maybe, I think there's some people that date uh, and are just, you know, are asexual, don't uh, have sex right. with each other. So they might want to be uh, emotionally romantic with somebody, but they don't have sex. So I could see that being an option for some people. Yeah, there's actually a rise in the younger generation too with asexuality and being mm-hmm. ace, I think is more socially accepted. Again, like just the opening up to many options and not yes. just falling into the norms of what oh. it is. Okay, right. so I think so there's arguments online. There they could be the same thing, but uh-huh. the it's very nuanced. The difference is sexually fluid means you're attracted to people of multiple genders, but one at a time. Mm. And pan pansexuality means you're attracted to all genders all the time. Yeah. Oh, so like if you're sexually fluid, like you go through a period where you're attracted to men, a period that you're attracted to women. So you're is that so it's less it's still more about the like putting people into boxes. Right. Mm. Well, it's more like I am. uh, Yes, I, I think that's what that's what the Internet says. It could be I'm I'm into I I mean to women right now and then who knows tomorrow I could be into men but it's not you only have eyes for women today hmm. right we're pansexual it's like it's all about the person and that could change by the second by the hour you might not even yeah. think that they're like identify as a man or a woman because gender is all fluid right. too yes yes interesting but I could be totally wrong I would love for someone to give me <laughs> yeah. more information on this because there's a lot of um, conflicting information yeah and I. I know we don't have um, someone that identifies as a man on this episode right now. So would love to have someone eventually yeah. that identifies as pansexual and as a man. But I would I would like both of your thoughts on this because I have some as well. Maybe younger generations are not thinking this way. But I know like anytime I've had a friend that's like, oh, I'm talking to this guy and oh, he's bi or he's pansexual. And it's seen very differently than women saying that in society as well. There is a lot of like studies and articles of just the response to it. And I think some of that is the sexualization of lesbians versus men that are supposed to be masculine and straight and all that. Supposed to be is not my words. It's society. So I'd love your thoughts on like, why do we think that is the case? And if you've heard similar that it's been more difficult for men to be pansexual? Yeah, I think it could totally come from just history and, you know, all of those stereotypes that are put on women and men. I think the sexualization of women is definitely Mm -hmm. a a factor um, because it's almost easier to accept like, okay, a woman is more, you know, frivolous with her sexuality. Haha, just, you know, she's just an overly sexual woman. Somebody needs to tame her. Um, Whereas like a man, it can be, you know, very scary for other men, for a man to be in touch with sides of himself that 
other men aren't. Um, and mm. it can, they can feel inferior maybe. Um, but I do think that we've just been taught over time like that, you know, men are unemotional and they're sexual and they, you know, take hold of their women and women are supposed to be kind of more submissive and are just all around more sexual. Obviously, these aren't aren't true, but we kind of this is ingrained and you can see it in, you know, old Disney movies. Mm -hmm. And so I think that just plays a big part in our kind of ideas about men and women. And so I think that's just made it so hard for men to kind of come out. And yeah, you know, again, there's like a lot of violence towards, you know, gay and trans communities. And I think that it, it would be scary for men to come out because people don't like it. And, you know, adding on to that, why is it that we feel we normalize women who tend to be who have masculine qualities because tomboys are cool. Tomboys play sports. Look at them. They're they're athletes. They're jocks. And even in heterosexual relationships, when you talk about threesome, you always just assume it's two women yeah. and one man. And that's oh. cool. Yeah. Two women. Two women. It's highly sexualized. It's so hot. Let's do it. But it's never you. You would never go to your partner and say, let's have a threesome. And your man's like, yeah, let me bring the other guy. Like that would that is just very rare. Although I do know people that have had that happen but yes good for them i want to meet them because i love that that these moments can happen but we normalize masculine women but we don't normalize feminine straight men and even in hetero relationships i've had girlfriends who say i'm really trying to encourage my husband to tap into his feminine side like wear a dress every once in a while paint your nails get your nails done let's get your hair blown out let's just you need to feel what it feels like so that you get more in touch with that side but that's only recently i've never heard that before so i'm i'm definitely on board with that i would love to encourage my partner to explore more of the feminine side there's still a lot of shame associated for that. sure i think yes. that is where it comes down to and i think it is the stigmas of of the masculinity that we were mm-hmm. talking about but i think that's really difficult for a lot of people like that do actually want that you know to come to terms with that something that's quote unquote normal and i think that that is, I wonder if some of it is like the genitalia, right? Like that's mm. like a lot more, I don't know. It's like there's a soft, like you don't view, when you're thinking of two people having sex, you don't like view women's genitalia as much. At least, I don't know, this is just a hypothesis. Like I feel like you you see, like there's a stigma, I think, of two men's penises mm. versus two women's vaginas. Do you know oh, what I'm I saying? See. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's like the right way to say it, but it's more sexually out you know because maybe it's because it's external versus internal yeah yeah Yeah, like it's more in your face yeah Mm -hmm. exactly yeah i wonder if the porn industry has had some of like an effect here too you know of like really putting stereotype onto young boys who watch porn or and women um but i feel like there's a lot there too that you know I don't think I'm qualified to speak to, but I know that there's something there. I can definitely see that. We didn't get into it before, but how would you describe like sex being different? Like while we're on that topic, like how would you describe (laughs) sex being different between, I know again, it's just your sample of the people you've been with. uh, genitalia. Yeah, yeah. Like in how detailed shall I get? As detailed (laughs) as you'd like to get. (laughs) No, I, I won't get too, too detailed, but I think it, it totally depends on I think how close you are to the person like it, it it can feel really emotional with women it can feel just like there's like 
this sense of closeness that is just really intimate and like it's very specific to to women there's there's a softness there's just like some intuition happening it's very sensual and very sensitive not to say that you can't have that with with a man too and i think that you can if you're very much on the same page maybe you're in love or just really really communicative with each other but mm-hmm. in general i think at least in my experience some of the men that i had slept with were not wanting to be intuitive didn't really want to pleasure me weren't real they were just very much focused on themselves whereas women in my experience were very much wanting to pleasure you wanting to like wanting you to feel all of the sensations mm. um, and i feel like that was a big difference for me whereas men were very focused on like what they were experiencing how how can I what can I get from this experience it was hmm, usually very one-sided but again not all men I mean I've definitely not all men I feel no. like a lot of men I've been <laughs> with that are not like that whatsoever so yeah. I know this is like a generalization too but I could see like the softer side I think that makes a lot of sense yeah um but you know women can also have like t- two women having sex with each other can very much have a similar sexual experience you know with toys with with mm-hmm. added things in the bedroom you can get very similar um, and almost exact sensations as you would if it was just a man and a woman. So I think like the physical side, you can you can recreate. Mm. Um, that was never like a big a big thing for me because like the actual physical feelings of things were kind of the same. Interesting. Mm. So you know, like when you're with even if it's the same sex, but like when you're with two partners, there's a slight difference. But you know, the basic mechanics are the same. Did you feel a huge shift when you went from women to men? Or was it kind of just, oh, it's just a different person? Yeah, I think it was at least for me, it was just a different person. I think I actually do know the first time I slept with the woman though, I was very like I actually like watched like some porn first I was like what do I do like what is it gonna <laughs> yeah. look like down there like Let me study I don't know this. <laughs> I did some research yeah because I think the gay men or two men being together is much more visual and probably goes back to this like external versus internal like I feel like in the media yeah. perception you don't even necessarily like if you're not in the LGBTQ plus community I feel like sometimes you don't even know what sex would look like with two women exactly because we're not we're not showing what it looks like yeah I we're think, not shown you know mm-hmm. we're not ever shown and if what you do see maybe in in a pornography in porn is like geared towards straight men for the most for the most part right, you can find right. good lesbian porn made maybe maybe by women or other lesbians but in general like what you'll see you know on Pornhub or whatever the main sites are like mm-hmm. it'll be just very male geared lesbian porn um and that in my experience was very rarely what actually happened in the bedroom. So what does happen? Can you give us any load? <laughs> wow, Julie. So curious. Let's go play by play. Doesn't have to be okay. play by play, but high level. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of tongue action and there's mm. a lot of finger action. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um gosh, did you more detail than that? <laughs> I can only imagine. I mean, it's basically like any anything that would stimulate you, mm-hmm. just yeah. bring it on. You just <laughs> all of it. S- scissoring was a thing. Like you, yep. like you know, rub up on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, fingers are a big one. That's like your dick is your is your hand, your fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Um, and then and then lots of tongue. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then toys. And then and then depending on the couple, they they bring mm. in a lot of toys. Yeah. Well, toys are good. Always a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) No matter what. Julie, do you have any more? No, that's my my burning questions. Do you you want to ask, like, what happens after? (laughs) I think my imagination could go from there. Thank you. Uh, What is some – I'm going to bring this back to just – let's just wrap up before we get into some takeaways is what is some advice you would give to people who may be going through this identity shift and they're mm-hmm. going through what you identified when you came out in high school. And then when you dated a straight man, it's kind of like, ah, oh, what is happening? Why is there so much confusion? What What would you say to someone who's going through that? Yeah, I would say just be kind to yourself and be open. Like to- just if you're having certain thoughts about your identity, whether it's your sexuality or gender, gender, like just explore that. And my biggest piece of advice is that there are resources out there. Like Google is your friend. There are so many places to learn about these identities and they're not, you know, there are communities out there that will help help you through it, whether mm-hmm. it's Reddit and TikTok, like use your <laughs> community of friends, like TV, HBO has some great shows. There's definitely some, there's definitely resources out there for people. And I think that was what I used a lot of was like TV shows. I used the internet a lot to help me. And then also just talking about it. And I think, you know, I understand that it would be hard for a lot of people because maybe they live in areas that they can't talk about. Um, what's going on because it's definitely not something that you want to talk about. Um, so to that, I say just like, I don't know. I mean, explore, use Google, move somewhere that's a little bit more liberal and open-minded. That might help. <laughs> move. <laughs> just move. Get out of there. I did. I mean, I grew up in San Diego and, you know, San Diego is a wonderful place, but it's definitely a little bit more close-minded in mm. my experience. Um, so I moved to San Francisco when I was 17 right away. Yeah, that was a good yeah. decision. <laughs> Yeah. Have you have you thought I'm sure you've thought about this how you're going going to raise your daughter so that she stays open to all of this? Yes. I mean, that's actually something I think about almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um is like, you know, how can I tell her like these I, I don't want to com- be you know, give her too much information. But I do want to say like, you know, I don't want to say, look at this, you know, pretty girl on this page. It's look at this pretty person, Mm -hmm. you know, and it could Mm -hmm. be whatever they look like. And I think that I'll just try and use um, more open language. And then also just help guide her however things are kind of turning out. And I think the biggest thing I struggle with is even just like, I'd like to put pink dresses on her. I like to put bows on mm. her. Um, but that's a hard one for yeah, me, especially hard. like as I'm studying, you know, philosophy is like, where's that line of like, right. how do I continue to be really progressive and, and open-minded and like teach her that things aren't black and white? But also, like, I still live, you know, I receive presents. I work day to day. There's things on TV that she's going to see. So I don't think I have a clear answer, but I'll just kind of navigate it day by day and hope I do the right thing. That's why Mm -hmm. I hate gender reveal parties because it's so binary. I know. I called ours a genital reveal party because (laughs) (laughs) really what you want to know. That's way better, though. (laughs) Yeah. That's what you're looking for, right? Is what my baby's genitals are. So we called it a genital. Review. Yeah. That is that is so great. 
But I think it's the language. It's a, yeah. I'm watching the way I speak and I've, I've seen my friends raise their kids and they do the whole like, I have dolls and trucks for you to play with. You choose mm-hmm. whatever. And some days they choose one over the other. It doesn't matter. Uh, my other friend's son, who's like six years old, wanted to wear an Elsa dress to school. And he's like, great, go for it. And now he wears that dress once a week because he loves it so much. And none of the kids make fun of him because it's sort of it's normalized accepted, now. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. I think we're making so much progress. Yes, it's going to create confusion with the grandparents, but after they die off, yeah. I think we're in good hands. <laughs> yes. I agree. That's the takeaway. The future is pansexual once that generation is gone. Uh, <laughs> Only until then, the future will be not pansexual. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is a good segue to real takeaways. But I think the biggest one that I had from all of this is that nothing is forever. Mm-hmm. I think this is with identity, whether it's your sexuality, whether this is, you know, where you are in life. Like, I think we need to stay open to the change and not not feel like it's a phase or we're stuck in something forever because that's how we've identified. And I think it can be really hard. And I think it's easier said than done. Sometimes moving to that next phase, whether that's, you know, opening up your sexuality or just moving into a different life stage can feel really daunting because you're used to something, but it's embracing the change and all the good that can come with it and not, I guess, brings me to the second takeaway I have is not boxing us into one thing. I think that's the biggest thing. And again, does it, it could be sexuality, but it could even be gender identity. Like, I feel like we need to stop with this girls wear pink, boys wear blue, girls play with dolls, boys play with trucks. Like, I think that's really good that we're just exposing people to all elements of their personality and not putting people in a box just because of historic times that are quite frankly outdated. And it's also, it's like, how do we, how do we, and I kind of heard this from your, like the gender reveal and like some of the stuff that you're going through with your daughter. It's like, how do we balance the traditions that we want to keep and preserve, but also stay open-minded that the world is changing and be progressive in how we view people and how we view identity and we don't cling necessarily to old things just because we should, but rather to traditions because we want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I, and uh, I had a very similar takeaway as as you, Julie, which is, I think that we are, we negatively talk about phases. Oh, it's just a phase, just a phase. When life is a series of fucking phases, we're always going through a phase. And I think it's a good thing. I think we can normalize phases. Right now, I'm a, I'm a straight woman in a hetero relationship, but that could be a phase. Like that could all change. I'm not going to be tied to that. And I don't think we need to be tied to any of the of it because that's what is instigating oppression is when we get tied to to the way things should be to the way people should be that's when we get oppressive right so i think phases is a good thing let's normalize mm-hmm. it if you're going through a phase mm-hmm. good for you good for you um my second takeaway from all of this is that i think we just need to pause before we make these generalizations or statements or conclusions more more often than not you actually don't know why you're saying the things that you do <laughs> they you know they did this whole gender study back in the day of, of this baby i think i've talked about it on this podcast it's a baby next to a jack in the box and the jack in the box would come out and the baby would start crying and they told some participants that the baby was a boy some participants mm. that the mm. baby was a girl and they asked why did the baby cry and the ones that thought it was a boy said oh he was angry 
and the ones that thought he was it was a girl said she was scared. So these are the things that, like we have no basis of all this. Right. It's just what we've been fed in society. So the best we can do right now is just take a pause before we speak or form a thought. And then we can go from there. I think just taking that pause will go a long way for all of us. Yeah, I think rethinking the feminine and masculine too. I mean, that's like another whole conversation for yes. another day. But yeah. I feel like that whole piece, like it just puts us in that box so much. And what we've said today is people are people. And that's the beauty of pansexual. It's yes. falling for the person as a person. And maybe, hey, it opens up your pool of prospects significantly. So significantly. <laughs> Really I think does. the future is pansexual. I really do. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. I, hope so. <laughs> I love that. Any cl- closing remarks or anything that you took away? I know this is like your day to day, but like anything that you've gathered from this convo, Genesis? Yeah. What did you learn from us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other than Julie loves sex questions. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I needed the deets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, th- I think it's always just reaffirming it kind of like I'm, we're all always learning about ourselves day to day and, mm-hmm. and I'm continuously learning about myself. And I think just having patience and like kindness for people that might be going through something Mm, or, or, you know, entering a new phase or entering a new, you know, version of themselves that they previously didn't know was possible. Just like really having kind of that empathy for each other, I think will go a long way and push us towards our future of pansexuality. Very well said. Yes. Very well said. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey. I had known just a, a tiny moment of it. I didn't get the full picture. So now I'm so happy that I've heard the full story. <laughs> and your husband is fantastic. I can attest to that. Yes. He is a very <laughs> kind person. Uh, for all of our listeners, if you like to share your story about a journey you're going through, especially when it comes to gender and sexuality, we would love to have you as a guest on our show because we can only highlight one person's story at a time. So the more we highlight, the more diversity of stories we can get. And we recognize not anybody can can represent the entire gender or the entire sexuality, but at least you can represent your story. And that is your story to tell. If you want to submit to be a guest on our show, just go to datablepodcast.com. While you're on the internet, just head to Apple Podcasts, give us five-star reviews, write a little <laughs> nice blurb or so. You know, it's it's not hard at all. And, and it takes five seconds, but it really helps us because it builds trust between us and our guests. So someone like Genesis can come on our show and say, I trust these girls. I'm going to tell them my story <laughs> and I'm going to reveal everything except for what Julie wants to know. <laughs> She's like, it it stops at one point. (laughs) There's a line. I will draw a line. But we do really appreciate those reviews. They do um, do us a lot of good for our show. Uh, So with that, shall we wrap this up? Let's do it. Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us. We look at all of those posts. 
Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.